Hi again, everybody. Stuart Gandalf doing another podcast today. And it's my pleasure to um, host Rick Franzi, whom I actually saw speak recently. I, he had a topic that I thought was quite compelling, and he was presenting to a number of people in our area, Orange County, California, some business leaders, about his new book, which is Killing Cats Leads to Rats. And I always thought that was an uh, intriguing idea, and he'll explain more about that in just a little bit. And essentially, the topic today is really the unintended consequences of our decisions. And so in terms of healthcare, and Rick's going to speak more broadly about unintended consequences and the kinds of things that get in our way. But the if we just look at today, I just checked some headlines before our podcast this morning as I was preparing. And you know, there's unintended consequences all over the place in healthcare. So for example, uh, one of the unintended consequences that's in the news is that uh, CMS, while doing a good thing and trying to get reduced readmission rates at hospitals, the unintended consequence there may be more that it's a good thing and it has been working, but it may turn out that some hospitals are focusing more on that than improving mortality rates. Another unintended consequence we're hearing a lot about today is opiate lawyers in various states uh, again, good thing, but it may be causing uh, doctors to under-prescribe or send addicts to illegal sources like heroin. The Affordable Care Act has apparently reduced, as it's been hoping, less charity cases and reduced uh, charity care for hospitals. However, hospitals, according to Beckers, are struggling now with high deductible copays and bad debts stemming from that. I've long heard rumors about hospitals avoiding the sickest patients or some hospitals for fear of impacting their success rates, and apparently doctors are possibly doing that as well, according to Politico. In my own experience working in marketing, we've seen doctors or hospitals also have marketing unattended consequences. So, for example, one OBGYN group we work with wanted to cut its digital marketing until we realized that about 55% of the new patients was, in fact, coming from that digital marketing. Another thing we see oftentimes is hospitals have their physician liaisons going out to build doctor referrals, and by trying to save money and give them marketing tasks, suddenly there are administrators sitting in the office instead of being out in the field, so they're not building doctor referrals. So again, these are human things. It's very common. Rick, this is your area of expertise. Before we get into the details, I'd love you just to share the inspiration to the name of your book. Thanks, Stuart. It's great to be on your show as well. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about killing cats, leaps the rats, mitigating the negative effects of unintended consequences in business. The inspiration came actually from a podcast that I've been doing for years, hearing stories from CEOs of businesses of all types that outcomes of their strategic decisions often were different than what they had anticipated or intended. And many times that difference created a, a problem for the business or an issue for the employees as well. And so I kind of set off in 2010, frankly, to research the causes of unintended consequences, the types, and then to develop a best set of best practices that could help business leaders, business professionals, healthcare professionals to better control the future of their strategic decisions. The title, wow. Killing Cats Beats the Rats, comes from the 1300s in Europe with the Black Plague and how by believing by exterminating dogs and cats as possible causes of the plague, it actually caused the plague researchers have found to be more severe because they eliminated the natural predators to the actual animals that was causing it, which were the fleas that lived on the backs of rats that had come to Europe from Asia, introducing a disease that the Europeans hadn't seen before, had no natural defenses against, and ultimately up to 75 million people in Europe in the 1300s perished at, because of the Black Plague, because of the unintended consequence of 
actually reducing the predator population against the rats. It's amazing. They exacerbated the problem by killing the cats and the dogs. It actually came because the basic fear of cats started about 100 years earlier when the then Pope of the Roman Catholic Church put in writing that the black cat was the vessel of Satan on earth. So this was in the 1200s. And that started this bias against black cats, which led to a panic during you know, hundreds plus years later in, in Europe about dogs and cats. And so the real unintended consequence was that the Pope who wrote this edict that had nothing to do with what happened 100 years later actually was a significant contributor to the people's realization that possibly dogs and cats were evil now because of the plague. Rick, when your book, you know, you mentioned that you've been doing a lot of consulting and working with, you know, CEOs of various types of organizations for many years. Why do companies, why do hospitals or even group practices and practices fall prey to unintended consequences? What's, what's the genesis of all that? One of the key things that I learned in doing my research for the book is where the term unintended consequences actually comes from. And it comes from a gentleman by the name of Dr. Robert K. Merton. He's known as one of the fathers of modern sociology. And he lived from about 1920 to early 2000s. He studied large-scale social systems, as sociologists do. And he was the one in 1936 who published a paper about these unintended consequences arising in large-scale social systems. And I started to think, as I read his research, what are hospitals, but really a smaller version of a society? Like a society, there are, there's a, a leader, there's an authority hierarchy, and there are people involved. In a society, we call them citizens. In a hospital, we think of them as patients, or maybe they're the doctors and the nurses who serve the patients. And so the work that he did in studying how unintended consequences arise, I think is directly applicable in your space to healthcare organizations, hospitals, service providers who are serving the sick. You mentioned there's five causes of unintended consequences. What are those and what are the things that lead to that? This comes from Dr. Merton's research. He uncovered five states that exist in the decision-making process that society or an organization goes through that can lead to unintended consequences. And it's really critical to realize that unintended consequences don't necessarily come from the decision that the leaders make of a hospital or a healthcare organization. They come from the what Dr. Merton called purposeful action of the citizens, you know, of the, the doctors and nurses and attendants who are attempting to achieve the desired outcome that the leaders have set forth, but maybe aren't fully prepared or knowledgeable about what they need to do. His conditions, there are five of them, ignorance, error, immediate interest, basic values, and this term self-defeating or self-fulfilling prophecy. Many people know those terms. What they don't know is those are also terms that Dr. Merton coined, self-defeating and self-fulfilling prophecy. Some of your earlier examples at the start of the show seem to me that they are they fall in po probably a couple of these causes, but the one that resonated the most with me is the one that Dr. Merton called immediate interest. Immediate interest shows up when we have a heavy focus on a subset of the total problem, when we're really trying to control for just one aspect of a much more complex problem that requires a much more complex solution. We many times can solve for that aspect of it, 
But unfortunately, what happens is in solving and controlling one aspect of a complex problem, we end up creating unintended consequences of that decision that shows up in other aspects of this complex problem because we didn't fully consider all parts of this system in coming up with the solution. And so this immediate interest where we're fixated on a subset of the problem, the control, ends up contributing in ways to unintended consequences of our decision. I could see how that would happen probably in healthcare more than any other because there's so much public outcry. This morning, I was reading about how the misinformation about flu shots, where parents are feeling like in huge numbers, I forget what the numbers were, but something like a third to half of parents thought that they can cause autism or that they can cause the flu and all these kinds of errant thinking. And so it can really cause public outcry and things can kind of get out of hand. And I can see why in healthcare, for example, the opioid epidemic is a tragic, terrible thing, but it's to overcompensate or to focus solely on one area. And it's kind of human nature. It's kind of unavoidable, I think. You mentioned in your talk that there were three types of unintended consequences within a business environment. What, what are those and how would that apply to some of the things we're talking about? Again, this comes from Dr. Merton's research, and I'd just like to circle back on your flu shot example. I'm going to get mine this afternoon, as a matter of fact. The second condition Dr. Merton's research found that can lead to unintended consequences is this idea of error. And error shows up when there's either facts are misrepresented or intentionally withheld, or people just incorrectly analyze the data and come up with an erroneous decision. I would suggest based on your example of the flu shot, that, that error is causing that unintended consequence of parents who are only wanting to do the right thing for their child, but are mistakenly believing they're making the right decision when in fact they may be making uh, the wrong decision if the, truly at their core they wanted to maintain a healthy child. So that, that's a second example of a of the causes of Dr. Merton's, you know, he discovered. The three types that he found, he called them a positive effect. Serendipity, you know, it's luck. It, you, you wanted one outcome, but you got something that was better than what you had anticipated. Now that, on the surface, sounds like it, it's always a good thing. But remember, when you're working with people and you're a leader of an organization, when you state that you have a certain outcome in mind and intended, if any time the outcome is actually varied and varies in any significant way, the leaders need to make sure that the rest of the organization understands why and how that outcome happened, even if it is on the surface a positive, improved outcome. The second one Dr. Merton's research discovered is this negative effect. You know, it's the one that we're probably most associated with unintended consequences. It, it's different than what we had intended. It's different than what we had explained and, and what the, the organization expects. And when it, when it does arrive, we have to deal with it immediately because it may also impact the hospital or the healthcare organization in some way, either reputationally or from a performance perspective. The third and final effect of unintended consequence type is what Dr. Merton called a more subtle one. It sows the seeds for a future problem. On the surface, many times, the unintended consequence doesn't show up, but under the surface, it's kind of churning and, and brewing. And his research shows that when those latent unintended consequences do arise, many times because they've been brewing for so long, impact is much more significant than if it would have shown up earlier. Uh, I use the killing cats and the, the plague in Europe as an example of what I think is one of those latent 
unintended consequences. When the Pope wrote the Vox in Rama that the black cat was a vessel of Satan, it took 100 plus years for it to morph into what was potentially one of the contributing factors to the Black Plague, which was this long-term fear of cats in general as associated with witches, and then dogs who just happened to be down in the hut near the cats and were guilty by association. A lot of the uh, anecdotes we shared at the beginning of the podcast were outside of a doctor's control or hospital's control, right? These are things that are policy-driven. Other things are within your control. The most important part of the talk today, because I, I, I love this concept, I just think it's such an interesting thing to stop and think about in our own business, what are the unintended consequences? And I would challenge our listeners and readers to think about what have been the unintended consequences for you personally from some of the decisions you've made. I often talk about how one person I met when I was 18 years old got me a job, which led me to where I went to college, which got me to friends, which got me to move to California. My entire life was unintended consequences of one. It boils down to one of those little fuzzy qual bears that I used to have on my mirror. The person I was talking to, she liked it and she grabbed it. And then from there, that's how my life turned out. But it's an unintended consequence in a big way. So there's uh, unintended consequences. Personally, I bet most of our listeners can think through unintended consequences from positive and negative business-wise from their practice or from their hospital or from how they're treating patients. So clearly, those are some things to think about. Because I'd like, the, uh, you know, as, we're, as I'm talking here, for the listeners to really be for reflecting on, you know, where have I had unintended consequences or what big decisions am I about to make? What could be the unintended consequences I have of those? Which, by the way, I practice what I preach. I've got always got some big decisions in my business to make. Um, we're big enough to where we have lots of things going on. We're small enough to where I still have to be personally involved with most of them. So those are really important. To that end then, uh, Rick, you mentioned that you've, you've done a lot of research on this and you've identified a six-step process for controlling and mitigating the unintended consequences. So can you share, and you call it the secure model. So I'd love you to share what those things are and, and hopefully our listeners can gain a lot from that because certainly this is an area where unintended consequences can really impact outcomes of our business and people's lives. In my book, Stuart, and in my talk, I mentioned that your industry, the healthcare industry, has their own term for unintended consequences, especially as it relates to prescription drugs, and that's side effects. I mean, the side effects are categorized as unintended consequences of taking the medication that may arise. And there's much effort spent to educate uh, the consumer about the potential unintended consequences of taking it. So, you know, like blowback is in the military and for the CIA, there are terms that industries and sectors have come up with that mean the same thing as unintended consequences. You know, one of the one of the major contributors to unintended consequences is ignorance. That was one of Dr. Merton's research discovered. And when you talk about policies that are made by bureaucracies and by governmental institutions, many times it is born out of ignorance because of the lack of depth of understanding for the policy or regulation that is being enacted upon trying to solve a problem. So it, it really can be seen in large-scale social systems. Many times unintended consequences show up born out of a lack of an understanding or ignorance by the people who are making the policies even if they're well-intended, if they don't truly understand the complexity of the solution, their problem, their solution ends up creating more problems. The, the six-step secure model is available uh, online. I'd like to say that I have a tool that I can send through you. If you. I'll send it to you, and if any of your listeners are interested in it, they can rate themselves against these 
best practices. It gives them a score, also shows them kind of how they, how they relate to others who have taken the assessment. So if that's something that your audience is interested in, I'll send that six-step secure model to you, and, and they're welcome to fill it out and, and kind of see how they fit within the other people who've taken the assessment. I'm also um, working on a um, follow-up to Killing Cats Leads to Rats. It's actually a field guidebook on how to implement the best practices. Within that guidebook are case studies, use cases of, of, of organizations who've adopted one or more of the elements of the SECURE model and how it's helped them. So that's another opportunity if, if any of your audience is interested in possibly in the future being profiled in my my next book, there is that opportunity if they apply the secure model. So let me just quickly, Stuart, if I could go through this. The, for, the S stands for slow down the decision process. The overarching um, point here is to resist making emotional decisions. Many times in the heat of the moment, we make decisions based largely on our past experience. Many times that's colored heavily by the emotion associated with that experience. That may not always be the proper way to make those critical strategic decisions. If, we're, if we recognize in the process of making a strategic decision, we're heavily emotionally connected to it, it's best practice to step back and try to remove the emotion and really look at just the facts. The second one is to expand your knowledge. And in the healthcare, that is so critical to understand the latest research and, and accessing information that's available both to you outside, like podcasts like yours and radio shows, and also the places that we go for research to inform us about the quality of decisions that we want, we need to make. The third one is clarify the desired outcome. What we mean by this is to really start with the end in mind. It, it's very important, especially leaders in healthcare organizations, when they translate the strategy into the implementation, that they spend time with the individuals who are empowered to do what Dr. Martin called purposeful action, carry out the strategic decision by implementing it, that we fully understand and explain to them their role and sort of set guidelines for good behavior and bad behavior. The third one is, or fourth one, excuse me, is unify the team. The, the common message that audiences have taken away from this that they say is most powerful is to really make sure you don't micromanage the implementation of a strategic decision and to build a collaborative culture where people are able to uh, work together and delegate responsibility. The, the fifth one is the R in secure, which is retain control. What we mean here is whenever there's a new decision, strategic implementation, if you can simulate it or test it in a subset of the full implementation prior to rolling it out, maybe hospital-wide, sometimes you find the green shoots of unintended consequences that come up in that testing and that simulation. And the earlier you can adjust for those unintended consequences, the less damage they might do to your reputation or to your organization's performance. And finally, is to ensure you stay outcome-focused. What we mean here is as you roll out the implementation, there will be a change in behavior. And many times people would want to revert back to the previous behavior. It's really valuable for the leaders of organizations to remind the employees, the doctors, the nurses, the, the technicians, why we're changing our behavior because of the new outcome that we're looking to get and stay true to that goal as people learn and adopt to new behavior. So there's much more information about the six-step secure model in my book. It's also available, as I said, on the, on the tool that I'm going to give you access to. And I just hope people will take a look at the assessment and try to determine 
of the six, are there a couple that they're uh, most need to focus on? And maybe there's a couple that they're executing quite well on, and, and that builds confidence to attack the ones where maybe the scores are lower. For those of our audience, they want to you know, expand their marketing digitally, or perhaps they're under competition where the stakes are very high, or perhaps they're looking at building new service lines. All these thoughts can apply to all of these things, right? For example, clearly, healthcare is expanding, and many times competitors are moving in that are much better funded, much more sophisticated, or there's consolidation in the market. And the idea of just doing something feels better than nothing, but sometimes it makes sense to slow down, band, clarify, unify it with everybody, get them on team, retain control, and think about the outcomes. This can be applied in many ways. And one of the things that I'm laughing at internally, or myself, for our own company, we recently made some process changes on an area where everybody felt was like, okay, we're slower than we want to be. It's more frustrating than we want to be. It's too chaotic. You know, we've, Our business is a very, very labor-intensive business with a lot of smart people with various areas of expertise. And so as we were going through this, partly as a result of watching your talk, you know, I spent a lot of time telling people this was coming and why, and we built this over a period of a few months, and now that we're in the process now, it's funny is everybody wants change except for themselves. <laughs> so, uh, or it's all, you know, it's the, we all agreed that we don't like the current process, but when process change means your process is going to change too, it's kind of like that old story, not in my backyard. That outcome focus is really important, and it's really been working for us. As we've been making these changes, we have to remind people periodically, okay, remember we remember that where we were before? It's what? We're not going to get it right every time. Uh, we're going to make mistakes along the way, but if you look back to where we were, there's a reason why. Uh, and then it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why we want to do it. Because <laughs> it's really hard for individuals to remember the why. It's really easy to come back to it's like uh, the pain of the moment versus where we were before, and it's been very effective for us. So that's been really great. Hey, you mentioned something. I think you said it was Steve Jobs who mentioned about unintended consequences. Can we finish with that? There's a quote that I, I show in my talk. He says, there are un unintended consequences to everything. And um, I think the key for leaders in any space is to think about what are the unintended consequences. As a matter of fact, um, one of the last things that I cover in my talk is this idea of when you're planning a strategic decision and implementation, it is so powerful just to ask the people involved, what's the craziest thing that could happen that we're not expecting or intending to happen from this decision? And the more playful and open you are to ideas, the more brainstorming happens. And what people have found is in those crazy ideas, unfortunately, or fortunately, are the seeds of a potential outcome that no one had intended. And then now that you know what you know about that, you can set about trying to control for that one as well. So if I can leave your audience with any one idea, it's just to be open and to the idea of unintended consequences of your decision and to seek out people telling you what they might be. Because my experience is sometimes in the team that you've built, they have ideas that of things that might happen. And if you give them a chance to express it, now you can figure out how do we deal with that so it doesn't happen. Hey, Rick, it was fantastic talking to you today. The link to the book is on our website within this article. We'll have that posted there. So it'll be easy for you to buy the book, easy for you to find out more about Rick and his tool. Rick, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. It's been very helpful. Thank you. I, I've enjoyed my time with you on your show. Thank you.